This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. The podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are back to become better habitat managers together. Welcome, everybody. It is late August. We have an awesome podcast for you here today. We have returning guest, Mr. Ryan Timoney. Ryan owns 250 acres up in North Central Michigan. Um, we talk about the trials and tribulations of managing a parcel that big, three, four hours from home. A lot of you guys can relate. I know I sure can. Uh, we talk about his bow hunting setups, tree stand setups this year, how to hang some great tree stands, certain locations. We talk about food plot shapes and sizes. Um, Ryan is having some weed competition and we talk about some things where he's going to go in and remedy his food plots this late in the game we talk about a new tractor we talk about the tar river drill his roller crimper how that's working for him some liquid lime and we also talk about some cool government projects and grants that are out there and available lucy will you stop thank you sorry the dog was sitting there with her collar right during the intro recording here and uh, thank you. And we also talk about a great USDA good steward program that Ryan was awarded um, based on a lot of the work he's done over the past few years. And then also, you know, some of the stuff he has planned for the future. Ryan's another guy just like me, just like the rest of us, um, trying to get it done with a bunch of kids, wife, job, the whole thing. This is an awesome podcast. It's a good conversation uh, relatable to this time of year for for us hunters. So Ryan Timoney, coming back to you right here in a minute. Guys, I want to thank everybody who's been leaving us great reviews. We had a couple more new reviews this past week. Thank you so much. I will be sending out free podcast decals to those who leave us a great five-star review. All you have to do is scroll down in the show notes, hit that link, leave us a five-star, write out something nice, include your name, um, and then email me info at habitatpodcast.com with your address and I'll get you a decal in the mail. So totally free. I pay for the decals. I pay for the, the shipping, the stamps, and they come to you for free just for a moment of your time. And we do truly appreciate that. Also, anybody who hasn't gotten their food plots in yet, we got another like, holy cow, we got a storm last night. We're actually still out of power here right now in Southeast Michigan, uh, where I live. But the rain has been fairly consistent down here. Now, I know guys in Illinois, I'm sorry. I've been here in the trials and tribulations. We dealt with that all spring, too. Um, pretty dry over there right now. Got a few buddies over there that, that are either getting dumped on a monsoon or nothing. So that's tough. But for everybody else who still has planting on the brain, um, you know, don't be afraid to get your food plots in. That vitalized carbon load is a great uh, fall plant mix, even up to Labor Day. So here, you know, in the Midwest, guys down south, you're not even you're not even planting yet. So that's pretty cool, too. 
Uh, but check it out, vitalizedseed.com, carbon load for the fall mix, and it's not too late. Get your stuff in. Also, start thinking about mock scrapes. We're going to have some mock scrape discussions um, coming up real soon. We're going to have Kevin Vistason from the Deer Hunter podcast on. We'll cover uh, kind of a new product that, that they're coming out with, and um, it's going to be awesome. Love mock scrapes. Time to get some more you know, Exodus cameras up. Speaking of Exodus, we'll have Jake Hofer on next week with an awesome conversation about what he's doing with his farms. Uh, just a lot of excitement in the air right now, guys, around deer season, all the habitat management we've been doing all year long, getting ready to hopefully pay off for us. So I appreciate those who have been listening and following along. I want to thank our land plan clients. We are still wrapping up a couple plans from scouting this spring and or our digital plans. If you are interested for 2024 land plans, be sure to uh, let us know. We are already making that schedule uh, into January at this point. Those can be read more about at habitatpodcast.com slash land plans. Um, one other thing you'll see coming from Habitat Podcast, if you're on our email list um, or even on our, our social media, Downburst Cedars. So Doug at Downburst Cedars is a new partner this year. Really badass product. Check it out at downburstcedars.com. But he wants some feedback. You know, we're the first uh, advertising channel, if you will, a group of group of habitat managers that he wanted to introduce this product to. And he wants some feedback. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of his website? What do you think of the product? What do you think of the price? What do you think of the videos he's making? He's just looking for some help from a bunch of guys like us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a survey on. So if you, if you keep an eye out, you'll see a survey coming. Um, I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes next week, too. But you'll see it via email. You'll see it on social media. And if any of you guys would be kind enough to help Doug out, we're going to you know, give away a prize to those who spent the time doing the survey. So, you know, we just appreciate the knowledge behind the, the listenership. You know, we have like the best habitat related listenership there is out there. So when we ask surveys and questions, it's because you guys literally, we want your feedback. Um, so that's that's kind of cool. We're going to get that going for Doug at, at Downburst Cedars. So if you guys see that coming soon, be ready. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I have for now. We're going to thank our partners here and we're going to get into the podcast. I want to thank United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties with Chad Thalen, Doug at Downburst Cedars. Acres.com, Morse Nursery, Packer Max Cultipackers, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Vitalize Seed Company. All right, everybody, thanks so much. Now we're on with Ryan Timoney. Guys, I want to talk to you about Acres.com. Acres.com is a partner of the show here at Habitat Podcast, and they have an awesome, very useful website for landowners and land enthusiasts out there, or even people in the land market. So it's a great guide for landowners and buyers. There's a free version. All you have to do is sign up at acres.com. It's a research platform that puts you in easy access to listings, sold data, and insights, 10 different layers of insights, um, you know, crop history, aerial imagery, uh, floodplain, soil types, um, vegetation, all these items are on there. So what it helps me do is reveal things that I can't see if I'm not on the property there. Historic land use, potential risks, maybe. You know, know your regional land market with this program and just evaluate land like you're a professional. I've been using it a lot lately to generate reports on certain parcels I'm interested in purchasing. There's a there's a way you can generate like an 11-page report that shows you everything you need to know about that parcel. So when you go out and walk it, you have sometimes more information than the realtor. There's also a premium membership at acres.com. You can compare listings, sold listings, um, property owner lookup, look up the tax ID, parcel numbers, everything you need to know. And again, with these reports, I love generating these reports from acres.com to help me become a smarter buyer, a better land enthusiast, or even if you're in the market, a land professional. Guys, check out acres.com. Let them know Habitat Podcast sent you. Sign up for free today and start exploring one of the best land use websites that I've worked with. Yeah, so I haven't, you know, I hadn't been up from between uh, middle of June to last weekend. So roughly two months. Wow. Um, you know, I obviously I've went down the road of trying to uh, do this no-till thing. Um, I have not had an issue with with weeds. Um, the rye has the last couple of years has done a great job uh, with weed suppression. I had good germination. Got up there. I planted um, planted the spring plots. Uh, I don't know, second or third week of June. Um, if you remember, I was teasing you. I waited until we got some rain. 
uh, till I got that done. So um, yes. things went things went okay there, but man, with that drought, I had a significant amount of grass and broadleafs. Yeah. Um, actually, like a a white flower, and I don't know what it was. Um, I didn't take the time to to look at it, but so I'm up last weekend. Only chance I had to plant. Um, so I just went for it. Now I did have some herbicide. I had a lot of smooth brome. Now all of my fields up there used to be smooth brome hay pasture. I had it under control prior back when I was tilling and spraying and you know, thought I had it under control. I've not seen had a smooth brome issue. It reared its head this summer, man. I when I got up there last weekend, uh the plots were full of smooth brome. And so um I had to, I had some grass, I had clethodim, yep. um, sprayed that, but then it's like, well, I can't really spray for these broadleafs. Um, you know, I, I just didn't have that residual, I had the herbicide, I had 2,4-D, but that's going to have some residual effects. Sure. So, you know, I had some brassicas in my mix and some other things like that. So it's like, I can't spray. So the only, I mean, I broadcast last weekend, um, sprayed liquid lime. Um, should have done that in the spring, but I didn't, um, just didn't have time. And then, um, this weekend I went up and only thing I can do is mow those things down. So, you know, I did in spots where the weed competition wasn't bad. Um, you know, I can see buckwheat and some clover coming through. Did not see, I, I planted blue lupine. I planted peas. I planted a couple of forage pea and then Austrian winter pea. I don't expect those to have have uh uh germinated yet but um you know i only saw buckwheat and clover so it's going to be a crapshoot as to what's what's growing there um you know the saving graces worst case scenario in a month i'll go up and broadcast 150 pounds of rye per acre and call it a call it a year and and frankly with the weed competition i have i might do that anyway just to try to get ahead of it so i don't think you're the only Uh, guy singing the song right now from summer summer plots and spring plots right i mean that drought hurt a lot of guys a lot of grasses are able to you know be prolific in in that sort of setting as you know and Mm -hmm. in weeds um just talking to my dad about this last night and then you know some guys don't even have any fall rain yeah i know my buddy sam he put seed in the ground a week ago maybe even longer now not any rain no rain in the forecast you know so i guess there's a lot of couple different directions you could go on that you could but then again how far are you from home with your camp that's that's probably three hours right you know and three hours and four kids i mean (laughs) (laughs) you know it just rolls off the tongue when you say three hours and four kids (laughs) yeah Yeah, you know exactly what i'm talking about Uh, oh yeah it's it's tough i mean uh you know i again going back to i i teased you all spring about how smart i was to wait for the rain and plant mid-june and that wasn't smart. That was the weekend I had. You know, I couldn't get in last May or end of May and early part, early few weeks of June. And um, that was the only chance I had. And and similar situation here. I mean, I can probably squeak another trip out in the next month, you know, but at a minimum, I'll be going up, you know, like I said, that middle of middle of September to broadcast rye. And that's what I got, man. Are you going to um, spot spray anything, any grasses, or, or you take care of all the grasses? Um, do you, the grasses are all? good. Okay, grasses are good. So now yeah, it's just yeah. what, how much rain you getting? Is it coming up sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. they're supposed to get um, between tomorrow and Wednesday, three quarters to an inch. So, okay. and they, you know, they got a couple of rains last week. So I'm feeling pretty good about the rain. Um, you know, I do generally wait a little later than most people. Uh, but that goes back to my first real major food plot was 2012, and that was a drought year, and uh, I failed miserably. So um, I've always kind of waited a little more to plant a little later than most guys. I don't think you were off by waiting till June or whatever weekend. That Yeah, it was a total archery challenge weekend because you're like, yep. what the heck? You're out screwing around with your bow, <laughs> and I'm over here planting. <laughs> and uh, I didn't think you were off base by waiting until then. Um, yeah. I really thought you we're going to have a better outcome than, than I did. Um, yeah, that smooth brome is nasty. It, yeah. it, it, it's a tough, it's a tough grass species to compete with, you know, and it gets so tall, so fast and thick. So, so let's, let's do a quick, quick reminder of who the heck I'm talking to right now. Brother from another I'm, mother, Mr. Ryan, Ryan Timoney. 
good, good friend of mine. I, I had you on episode 213. We talked about your 250 acre spot, central Michigan, northern Michigan. Um, talked about getting back to the basics of hunting, why we do it, um, all kinds of tree stuff, screening, logging, all that. But you know, you got four kids. Tell us a little bit about you. And uh, I want to have them a couple more questions about your, your food plot plan and just kind of your food plotting mindset in general because i know you bought a crimper and stuff too so i want to hit some of that yeah yeah i think my mindset and my plan is really based around what my wife has planned on the weekends um (laughs) i i've got the best wife in the world i've told you that last time um she if i said i wanted to go up every weekend she would not have a problem with it um i'm very fortunate there um but i you know if i'm going to do that i'm going to do that during hunting season um so basically you know trying to get really enough guys up to help me get the stuff done uh having the equipment the time and the money is a struggle with all of this so basically you know i'm i'm trying to do as much as i can as fast as i can but you know i i've burnt myself out the last few years and you know that kind of changed and as with the last podcast kind of just changed my focus you know i would i would have lost my marbles a couple of years ago if this would have happened you know with with all of this uh grass and and broad leaves that showed up in my plot and it's kind of funny because you know i had to get all my walk paths trimmed this weekend and you know i <laughs> i had a short time to mess with food plots i was going to spray some soil defender and call it a weekend right um of course you know if you remember last time i told you how all my equipment i have backups for everything right yeah yeah I so do. Yeah, sweet idea. Awesome idea. I'm glad I did it. Uh, you even have a backup tractor now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, so what happens? My three-point sprayer goes down, pump goes out. Um, I don't think I did a good enough job cleaning the liquid lime out of there, and I think I might have corroded some things. Um, frankly, I ran water through it, and I probably should have put a tank tank cleaner on it. Um, and I did, I've never actually cleaned my tanks properly. Uh, I just don't do it um mainly because where i have water that's where my well is and i don't want to be emptying a tank anywhere near that with any of that garbage um so basically um yeah i could i guess drive down the hill and empty that tank out but anyhow um (laughs) i solved my own problem but so my three-point sprayer goes down um yep i get the uh atv sprayer out everything's fine but that soil defender was a little too thick to be going through that thing. It's a Femco, that 20 gallon one you get from Family Farm at Home. And um, I got halfway through one plot, clogged up, you know, took the filters out, recirped it for a while, um, started working again. Um, and frankly, it I, I just wasn't getting anywhere. It just kept clogging up. So I scrapped that idea, you know, drove around the field with my, with the tank thing cracked and and trying to, you know, spread that liquid out as much as I could. Um, got back up to the house. At the end of the night, I'm cleaning the thing down, found there's a third filter up in one of the connections up by the pump. Never knew it was there. Probably could have got that done, but I probably would have just been fertilizing uh, broadleaf weeds anyway. So not not overly upset, but basically, you know, that's my plan this, this year is only thing I can do at this point is mow them down. Yeah. Um, mow them down and... and really go after the rye you know i don't um i don't have the time to till um i've got so many other habitat projects i want to do that frankly the and, and it's funny after watching the logging that occurred from part of my property they are in the black cherry regen more than they are in the food plot um that's the best thing that's the best food plot i've ever had is is regen there yeah so yeah what they say something like 50 percent of a deer's diet woody brows and and all that yeah. or i think um Back to your your clogging screens and filters. Were you going to remove every screen and filter then and just run that stuff without those? That was my plan, but I didn't know about that third filter. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I I use that stuff in the past, obviously. Um, that soil defender foliar and mm-hmm. uh, my my sprayer did the same thing. Um, okay. So I know that, and I'm in the I'm in the market for a new sprayer. So I've been looking at those Femcos. They're like, did you go with like the six hundred dollar one or like the three hundred dollar one? It was a three hundred dollar one. Yeah. So that's yeah. So that looks fine. I I don't know. I just want to make sure. I've been talking to Al. Um, I want to be able to make sure you can adjust the nozzles or take them out or whatever to where it's you can run a product like that versus some of the nozzles. I believe on the boomless, which I don't have a boomless. I like boomless. 
um mm -hmm. you can't maybe take the screens out as much or the nozzles are fancier i don't exactly know do you know anything about that so the 300 one's the only one i know so it's just okay. like a quarter quarter turn um it's a I'm going to call it a plastic nipple that has a slice cut in it. There is no adjusting that spray pattern. Um, but when you take that out, there is a filter in each individual nozzle. There's okay. only two two on that one. I guess they call it a boom sprayer, but there's only two nozzles on it. Um, what's your, so you, what's your width that you're spraying, would you say, on that? Like, when that works, other nozzles as well? Like, could you buy other ones with a different pattern? Well, if my internet was working, I could uh, look that up and tell you that answer. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if you can. Um, you know, I probably, I probably could rig it. But to answer your question, spray width is probably eight foot. I would guess. Um, okay. You know, I might be able to get ten foot out of that, but but I would say eight foot's a good rule of thumb. And you know, when I take when I would take that thing down my walk paths that I have cut. Um, those are about six foot wide and i would have to turn those nozzles inward so i wasn't spraying everything on the side yeah so i think yeah. eight to ten is probably a safe bet for that okay and it looks like they do make some replacement nozzles on online i see four or five um or okay. actually, maybe not even replacement but just like other options not a ton of options but um no you know i'm i'm thinking for that exact type of foliar feed mm -hmm. a sprayer um it's gonna have to be able to run some thicker stuff um yeah yeah so okay interesting glad to hear otherwise you like that sprayer in general i do i do i, I mean it, it was my backup sprayer so i've only used it a couple times this year okay well i you know i, I take that back i was doing all of my paths with it too so okay yeah i'm probably three years into it uh the recirc works good uh my three point doesn't have a recirculation feature so i'm gonna have to rig one of those up but um obviously with that liquid lime i learned that this year you've got to recirc that thing yeah. right out of the gate um, who's that uh, liquid lime are you using i was using that plot doctor that brad oh, um, brad yeah 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 that stuff seemed to mix up well um first time using it so i had applied so much ag lime and pelletized lime over the years i haven't really needed it okay um but i can kind of tell i you know i just i have that feeling it's probably been three years since i've applied lime so i know i'm due so yep. i just i just bought frankly i didn't even soil sample I bought the liquid lime. I put a gallon down per acre and called it a day. You know, a gallon of his liquid lime. His is a little different. That's more of a, I think they call it calcium carbonate. Um, I just did a gallon per acre and that equates to a ton per acre. So you're not, even if I were, you know, at a six, I'm not going to be in a basic situation by putting too much down. Sure. That, that was my thought process at least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I know speaking about your your food plots right now, um, mm -hmm. your your I want I want to understand first of all the the size and shapes. I'm not sure if we talked much about that before, and I don't think mm -hmm. we talk much about that uh, in general on here as often okay. as we used to. Um, your planting method. Let's hit that first, and let's talk about the size and the shape. So I know you bought well, first of all, brand new tractor, but you got yep. you're all in on the no-till stuff. Tell us about a little bit about your setup. So I, I don't have a drill, uh, can't talk myself into spending the money. Um, we talked, I want to buy that Tar River uh, drill, looking at that back 40 guy that's been doing that. I think that's the route I'm going to go. Um, I don't even know his name, really cool guy. But Mark, um, Mark okay. Um, so I have a tractor. I have the roller crimper. I bought the IMJ one out of Pennsylvania. There's a guy in Claire that is a dealer Oh, uh, right by Jay's. Um, so uh bought that. I've got an eight foot crimper or not crimper, but called a packer from Lincoln. Um, and then I still have, you know, I got the three point sprayer, the ATV sprayer. I've got a disc, got a landscape rake, um, back blade, that kind of stuff. Okay. So basically planning method, I, I, in a perfect world, you know, like when I planted in the spring, everything was good. Rye was tall. Um, I broadcast, I crimped, and then I called a fact over it. Um, then I, I normally would have sprayed my liquid lime if I were doing it then, um, that would work between spring and fall in theory. Um, but I normally would apply, um, soil defender or some sort of foliar at that time. I'm a little, to be honest with you, I, I started thinking this week and I'm a little, I'm kind of thinking I'm screwing this up from the foliar side. I mean, the a true foliar fertilizer would be sprayed on the leaves. I think of when we went to your Jackson property, 
we were spraying soil defender right on your brassica leaves. That is the purpose of a foliar is to play, spray on a green leaf and have it to absorb through that normal process. With um, just that application, you know, when I, I, I guess like looking a couple of podcasts you had Nick on, God rest his soul, um, you know, and he was talking about spraying that stuff right on the ground. Well, in hindsight, he probably was talking, and I believe it says it on the bottle, he probably was talking about a tilled field. Um, you know, I'm kind of wondering if I'm screwing up by spraying that down after I after I crimp, frankly, because I'm applying it to last year's rye. So I'm probably not doing myself any favors by doing that. I'm probably just wasting money, to be honest with you. Maybe getting some humic acid benefits in the soil. Um, but yeah, what I mean, you would agree? Okay. So I probably need to separate that process out and come back at a second and later date and, and spray that. Um, but basically that's my method. Um, I do, I don't know, six acres in that fashion. And then I have two acres of basically clover and chicory mix. Um, I would call those more not hill plots, you know, just smaller plots and areas where we have stands. Um, of those, I have one, two, three, four, five, six of those. So they're all smaller. Um, you know, frankly, one of the spots, it was in a pine area. We cut down probably three pine trees and opened up an eighth of an acre. I lit the pine needles on fire, so raked around and lit them on fire. Um, came back the next day, called a pact, threw clover down. Um, I threw... I think like a triple 19 down and uh, I've had a clover plot ever since. I mean, you couldn't nice. have got it any easier. So um, as far as shapes go, um, you know, in some of the logging areas where I'm going to put in food plots, you know, I've kind of settled on that hourglass uh, configuration if I'm setting them up um, just for, just for bow hunting. Um, you know, the, the plots that I have now were hayfield at Some of them were hayfield at one time. In hindsight, that created a significant problem for me because these were all located next to my road system. So you would bump, and we talked about this last podcast, but you would bump deer every time you went in or out. So I've created, you know, switchgrass screens and that's fixed that. But I don't love, I mean, I've got one plot that's an acre and a half, maybe two acres. Um, and it's just a big square. Um, I got to be honest. I mean, it's, it's a gun hunting stand. It's one that we've hunted my whole life. Dude, I mean, I I rarely have ever seen a buck out there. You know, we're um, I we actually sit with our back to the food plot when we when we gun hunt there, and uh, we have lanes going everywhere else. So I mean, I'm I'm to a point where unless it's late November, that's a different ball game. Sure, but um, you know, I'm I'm focusing certainly on bow hunting as I'm setting up future food plots. So as I get them, as I get areas logged, you know, I'm going to do set. A, I'm going to set a couple up, but you know, I had mentioned I'm going to do a lot of those tree plots too, and just try to take some of the grunt work out of it. You know, um, I, I need to shoot a ton of doe again this year. So that's on the agenda. Bummed I didn't get a bear tag. I had eight points, should have had it. Um, no way. Yeah, I've got um, probably, I'm not a bear expert, but neighbors tell me it's well over 300 pounds. Um, he's right outside the back porch. I've saw him twice. Um, I'd like to take him, but I guess we'll have to wait till next year. So <laughs> I know, um, our mutual friend Vince down the road, he's been having some problems too. Oh uh, yeah. Bear and crab apple tree and everything else. But no, to, to your point, I think the, the large open fields, unless there's, you know, nothing else, even close around period, you mm -hmm. know, the, the shape and the size and then the smaller type plots are more beneficial than. Sure. If you're trying to get mass tonnage, like for me at the Northern 70, I'm going to, I'm trying to get mass tonnage coming up this fall. So I'm going to have some larger plots mm -hmm. and maybe I'll divide them up in the middle. Maybe I'll throw some screening up. Um, I'm sure I will, but like off the bat, it's get as much as I can. Cause there's, you know, there's nothing for food plots around there. Again, the woody browse after the logging is going to be what's going to suck them in. But sure. um, yeah, just interesting. The different shapes people have, you know, that one in the pines sounds like a nice little kill plot you made. It is. And, uh, yeah, I think that that drill, if you're going with that Tar River, that Saya seven foot, yeah. I'm guessing. I'm gonna do, yeah, I'm going to do the bigger one. Yeah, Al loves his. I mean, Does that's, it? Probably, okay. that's probably what I'll go for, except I'll do the five footer. Um, they're listed all over the internet at five grand a piece right now, 5,200. Again, about twice as much as I want to spend. But um, 
it, it is, but you know, efficiency and time and you're three hours away, you go up, you calibrate and you drill and you're done. Absolutely. Like that's where my brain's at. Right. It has to be that way when we're downstaters going up North. I mean, there's, there's no other option. It's, it's a, it's an issue. And, you know, I'm fortunate where I can, I'm up there quite a bit for work and stay there, but. Oh, cool. You know, like, I don't know how many times I've run the chainsaw in a suit. You know, because I'm coming in from from a from a work appointment, but I need a picture you know, of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, it's not a viable option. You know, I I can't just I can't just uh, spend two days up in there in the middle of the week when I want to. So it's a it's a real issue, and I think the drill will significantly help it. But you know, thinking back to the whole premise of no till and regenerative ag, it's to limit limit fertilizer and limit um, herbicide. Right. And I think if I were to do it over again, I think I would have not jumped right in. I think I would have spent a year nuking everything with two years, nuking everything I could. I, I obviously did not. I thought I had the smooth brome under control, and I obviously didn't. It's, um, you know, here I am a couple of years down the road, and it's a problem. And, you know, I mean, I understand the seed bank. I understand how all that works. Sure. Um, you know, and I understand the drought probably forced that, but... Um, I think that's the one thing that I probably would have done different because I was already using herbicide. So why, I mean, and I'm not talking about throwing four quarts of glide down per acre, but going a full two quarts per acre, um, there would have been nothing wrong if I would have done that another year or two, Right. you know, but um, the, the beauty of the system for me is I can plan all of those plots in one day. I get up at, you know, early and I'm done by, I'm done by nighttime yep. and I have to do it that way. I don't have any other choice. So that's been the biggest thing for me that has has changed. You know, it gives me you go up on a weekend, it gives me an extra day to do other things. Of course. You know, and how would you say your your crimper works overall in, in effectiveness? Are you happy with, with how it's working for you? I know you know they don't always get everything, but um yeah. it all depends on what kind and, and everything else too, but in stage of the plant that, and all that. But what's your thoughts on it? So that thing's two thousand pounds minus. Wow. Um it's uh you know when you're pulling that thing right um if i have a good stand of rye it works and and if you remember when i bought that i think it was two years ago i had sent you a picture and you kept asking me did you did you chemically terminate that rye that was standing and i said no that's from crimping and you were kind of surprised that year i had a great stand of rye it will work great if you have rye Sure. Um, this year when I ran over it and there was another weed that popped up this year, almost kind of looked like baby's breath, uh, that you would see in a flower arrangement, um, yeah. but kind of almost like yellow, tiny yellowish white flowers. I got to start looking those things up. I got pictures of them in my phone and I haven't run it through the picture of this app, but, um, you know, that stuff was all over my plots this year. That stuff actually crimped well, <laughs> um, you know, but I probably just threw a bunch of seed back down. But if you don't have rye, um, you're going to, I don't think the crimping's going to work. I think rye is the secret to that. Um, you know, I have a friend that actually frost seeded rye up there this year, um, and he had a wonderful rye stand. Now, I'm thinking as cheap as rye is, you know, I could go in early early August or April and, you know, I could get away with, with top dressing that as long as the turkeys didn't eat me alive and eat all my seed. But, you know, I could top dress that with rye and probably get a viable standard crimp by, by, by June. So I'm kind of thinking my late, you know, mid to late September and applying it again in, in April might be the key to making it work for me. And rye's yeah. cheap. Yeah. And if you can, you know, stay on top of whatever brome or, or weeds that you're seeing that mm -hmm. way, then with the, the lelopathic trace of the rye, it should, it should all be, all be good. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I, I bet your, your crimper can probably do even more than, than just that. Yeah, but that's a solid, you know, that or buckwheat solid crimpable mm -hmm. crop, right? Sure. I was just going back in our text to see if I could find those pictures. Um, now how about, um, you said, well, you, you, you sent me a picture of a, a new Kubota, which is pretty awesome. I keep bringing that out cause I saw it <laughs> and I think my, my response was something like swing or something. Yeah. <laughs> like Where'd you get that bad boy at? Uh, guy in Claire. Okay. How yeah, far are you? Deal, you can't be that far from Claire then. Pretty I've never nice. actually gone from Claire to you on that direction. So yeah, but yeah, I have yeah, it's 30, 30 minutes. Yeah. Right down 15 or 115. Yeah. 115. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's yep. what, 50, 55, 54 horse? The, yes. Yeah. It's MX 5400. 
That's yeah. awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It was, uh, well, I had a small piece of hunting property down here. Oh, you did. You had it, huh? And I sold it and bought a tractor with it. Gotcha. <laughs> it, uh, I forgot about that little parcel you had. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I needed a tractor and I, well, you know, after doing the logging, it's like, I have to have a bucket tractor. I mean, this is, it, there's that equipment rental place in Harrison. Like I don't need all these attachments. I can go rent stuff, but I have to have a tractor that, you know, can handle it. So, um, I made the dumb move and sold property to buy a tractor, which is probably a foolish move, but in the eight years I've owned it, I've never hunted it. I coyote hunted the heck out of it, but you know, it's like, I'm just up North so much hunting or doing prep work. I just never went out to it. You know, and I've got other buddies that have property down the road for me. I can sneak out there. You know, they come up hunting with me, so they let me hunt their property. So that's the only way I was able to swing it. Well, it's a, it's like, how thin can you spread yourself, right? Like, right. I got, you know, some of our land plan clients all over the state. They'll send me a 40, my buddy Josh, with 40 down the road from him. I'd love to have a 40 over in his neck of the woods. But that's three plus hours a different direction than my 70. Then yeah. it's like, I, I just, I won't get there, right? Yeah. I won't, I won't, it will not be worth the interest I'm paying on the mortgage to, to hold yeah. that, to get there. So I, I understand your point. Um, and that tractor, you can throw a grapple on that thing or go straight bucket or what? It's got a bucket. I had it plumbed for a grapple. Cool. Um, they were selling Kubota partnered with land pride. So when you buy, um, you can roll all that in 0% financing right now, by the way, on Kubota for five years for five years. They've had that, I think off and on for a while. That's a so that it's a heck of a deal. Yeah. Um, so I mean it's beauty beautiful. So I can I'm gonna use their money for five years and yep. CD CD rates are five and a half percent. I can throw it in a CD and pull my payments out of there and make some money on the whole deal. It's actually wonderful. But I like that. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalized Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix, and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The one-two system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize Seed. Make biology work for you. Order now at vitalizeseed.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, so they partner with Land Pride. Their Land Pride uh, grapple is like 4500 bucks. so Ooh. I just... I didn't want to go down that road right now, um, but it's funny because I was trying to move some heavier logs, you know, two things I know I need right off the bat if I, well, obviously the grapple, but I need a weight uh, ballast box on the back. So like, I'm thinking, all right, I can throw my brush hog on there, but you know, you start talking about a bucket on the front and a brush hog in the back. Now I'm 30 foot long, you know, who I just, it's not attainable. So um, I have to get a balance, ballast box and fill it with sand or something because I was trying to move some big logs and it still was too much for it. Gotcha. Are you, are the tires filled? The rear tires? They are. Yeah. Mine aren't. And I got to do that right off the bat first for some okay. weight, but um, the box would help too. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. So very nice. Yeah. 
Well, I wanted to also see, you said new habitat projects you've been working on or things you have to do that are on the docket. Um, I don't know how many more of those would be getting done before both season this year, but. Well, I kind of have to do one now. Okay. So I applied applied for a USDA grant and I got it. So um, Talk to more. I, USDA grant yeah, for what? Uh, it's a good steward. They have a good steward program. So they will pay me to replant certain species. Okay. So I have to plant, I have to start planting some trees this year. And then um, they like pollinator plantings. So I've got, <laughs> I've got to read the contract. I just, I just signed it blindly without looking, but <laughs> I believe I have to, <laughs> you know how that goes, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Deadlines are deadlines. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, I think I've got to plant one field in the pollinator mix. Um, and then I've got to plant something silly, like 25 trees or fruit bushes or something like that. Oh, that's it. So, man. yeah, it's not bad for this spring. I mean, they've got it in stages. Sure. Um, so it's spread out over five years, but I do have to make some progress this year. Um, I'm going to talk with a guy at the USDA office and just see if my contribution this year is just spraying those fields for weeds, leaving them fallow until until next year, spraying it again and planting it in June. Um, it's funny because I already purchased the habitat or the pollinator mix, I already had it, wanted to do it this summer, but just never got to it. So um, now I'm getting paid to do it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, so really excited about that. So five-year contract. Um, how'd you hear about that? You just reached out and say, what are you guys offering these days? Or how'd you come across that? Yeah, just called the guy up there. Um, it's funny. So I um the logger is gonna be retiring up there. So I that the logger in Osceola Lake Macosta, I think is the district up there. Rick, I can't think of his last name, one of the nicest guys I ever met and really, really intelligent. Um, so he, you know, he's gonna be retiring. So it's like, well, I gotta figure out who my contact is. And you've got some MDARD employees, you've got USDA employees, they do different things. It's really confusing. Um, just mainly because I don't have the time to read into the structure of how those organizations are formed and who I got to call. But anyhow, called the USDA guy. He said he had some programs available. Um, he, I went up a quick trip. I think it was July, maybe June. Um, met him and we did a plan. He did a plan the next day and submitted it and we won. So were you, were you a contestant among others, if you will? Yeah. Apparently, oh. apparently. So yeah, he, uh, they only do, they pick, I don't know, they'll want to do X amount of projects in this area or X amount of expenditure. And then, you know, people put in and then they allocate funds. So you get to ask for how much you want. Um, and I asked for X amount and I got basically 90% of that amount. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I even keep in pretty close contact or regular contact with my office up in uh, way up there, and and I um I don't you know the stuff's not advertised or at least not where I'm looking, right? Yeah, and maybe that's you know, a government program for you, sure. I guess. But I yeah, that's that's pretty neat. I know there's other stuff out there, you know, the brush management and this other stuff people can do to to help better their yeah. their properties. But um, no, good for you. I never heard of that one. So let me see if I can figure out um what the name of that is but i'll look at that while we're chatting okay yeah i know we're finally getting the 70 logs i don't know if i've talked to you about that yet or not um they haven't started yet but there's a couple of guys from the mill have been shopping this week and um i signed a contract to have it cut before mm -hmm. or i guess ending on january 1st so it's getting cut this fall um let so me interrupt you real quick so yeah, this, is just, this is just a conservation program okay uh it's called a Conservation Stewardship Program, CSP program. Okay. Um, USDA. And, and I believe it. Yep, USDA. Yep, USDA. Cool. Very cool. So I feel like, um, frankly, I feel like the good Lord is looking out for me. Um, I've been faithful this year. Um, and I think I just was being rewarded for, for that work. So it was, it fell into my lap and I jumped on it and it worked out. Speaking of of habitat, well, congratulations, nice work. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Uh, everybody should be taking advantage of that sort of thing if they can. You know, call up your local offices. Yeah, a good piece of advice, I guess, would be call up your local offices, see what you have to do to get to see even what's available. How do you get signed up? These these guys are you know <clears throat> government employees are there to help you, and it's they're most of them are pretty nice people. So. Um, yeah. I know some can be hard to get a hold of sometimes, but um, I'm I pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. I 
I'd just stop in. I mean, that guy, I had spoke with him and I didn't have a relationship with him before. And he come out and really like-minded guy. We drove around the property and oh, I cool. learned a lot. I learned a lot from him. So, um, you know, they like, according to him, they like to get out in the field. Okay. Um, so even, I think even if you called them and just said, I'm interested in these programs, come look at my property and let me know what I can do. I think they'd be happy to get out of the office and do that with you. I used to sit at a desk and I could, uh, I could agree. That would be, yeah. you know. The way to do it. Um, now, what what other projects do you have on on the forefront? Anything coming to mind? Well, so you know where, where they've logged thus far. I'm trying to clear, and that's mainly why I needed this tractor. I'm trying to clear area to plant hardwood. Um, I want to do. I want to put non desirable hardwood, so hard maple, right next to my roads. I, I told you this before, um, so that my kids have marketable timber down the road. And it's going to be easy to log. So most likely I'm not going to hunt right on by my roads. So I'm going to plant those in the, the least lower desirable for deer uh, plantings next to the road. And then, you know, if I'm going to plant chestnut or oaks, I'm going to do those closer to hunting areas and try to congregate them. You know, I'm really trying not to spread those out willy nilly. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to put in 10 oaks or 10 chestnut, I'm going to do it in an area I'm going to hunt so I can try to get the deer to come to that area where I'm going to be hunting. But basically, I, I'm I'm setting up right now for this winter's cut. So I'm trying to, you know, if, if you let a logger, if you tell them I want to nuke this area, they'll cut everything but, but balsam fir. That's the only thing they don't want to cut right now. Um, I'm trying to set it up to where I still have deer movement in there. So, hey, I'm going to leave fence rows here or there and try to funnel deer to my swamp or, you know, to this bedding area or whatever, or, or get between two properties. Um, I'm trying to set that up. And that's taken, that's a lot of work to visualize it. You know, you can look at it on Onyx all you want, but once you get out in the woods, it, it's just a tough, it's a tough thing to, you have to do it right. Because once they cut, man, you're done. You know, just little things like leaving leaving trees um, to, to have stands in. Yeah, you know, I that that is that has kept me up at night. Like, hey, this area I don't hunt it. I've, I've got a couple areas in my property I don't hunt. Um, I've got a, a swamp, major swamp that I don't hunt. I'm kind of leaving it as a sanctuary. Well, you know what though, I may want to hunt it because I know they're in there. So where where am I going to want to put tree stands at down the road? And and I don't know that answer. So I've spent a significant amount of time the last couple winters just walking and thinking and trying to figure it out. So, um, but as far as other projects, um, well, hold on on, on that project, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. like I can, I can commiserate with you there. Cause like I took, I took my food plot map I drew. And then when I actually got to the woods, they were not the two same maps when I was finished. Right. For sure. Like it, either topography, um, hillside, which is topography, the swamp, um, none of it exactly worked out. Like I, like I exactly thought I am keeping some big trees on different corners and, and maybe the middle um but to your point and then we went we went in there and painted them all too so like it's a whole yeah. different ball game when you get the boots on the ground well, let me give you some advice don't think for a second you're going to save one tree and hunt out of that one tree if you're gonna if that one tree you're gonna save you better save a 20 yard circle around that tree so sure. i made the mistake when they were doing the front of my property i had one old white pine i wanted them to save and the logger's like hey you got to save a couple more around that for wind shear and it's mm -hmm. like oh whatever this is a hundred year old pine tree <laughs> talk about crinkling a set of ladder sticks <laughs> you know um so you have to leave multiple trees for that one tree to to survive that's a great point so yeah yeah definitely definitely pay attention to that and is that i know that's for a pine species for sure because we're i heard the same mm -hmm. thing from my guy on uh, some of the red pine i want to leave a nice row of them by the cabin um yeah. and he's like yeah great but you know they're going to be pretty exposed once we cut yeah. all the other ones behind them down so yeah um i mean do you know if that's a real conversation for a maple i don't be honest with yeah. you i mean i i guess if we're talking hard maple i look at my front yard I get direct west winds and I have a lone pine out there that is, is handling the wind. So I, I would think a hard maple would be fine. Yeah. Um, right. You know, but my property is basically all white pine and poplar or aspen. So, hey, Jared's wife. <laughs> Sorry on video. Um, yeah, she's she's interrupting. It's okay. What's up? That's Ryan. That's okay. Ryan that's that. All right. So I got to take over the hot oven that is cooking. So mm. that makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I think the I think it's more of a shallow rooted pine thing. I could be yeah. wrong on that. I'm not a I'm not a forester, but um, even wind shear alone, you got one lone tree. How are you supposed to hide your rear end up in this tree unless it's like a split trunk? big maple or, or a white oak or something i mean you're still gonna stick out like a sore thumb and that matters up here in sure. like that matters. oh yes it does yeah i mean it, it certainly is an issue i mean i i love to hunt balsam fir trees just because of the cover yeah. but yeah you disappear yeah um you know but frankly i mean i'm all of my stands i have a pine tree in a backdrop um and i i like to find you know a poplar or a maple that's close to a a fir, preferably a balsam fir tree, and I can kind of U shape that out to where I can climb up it and have that green backdrop behind me all the time. Um, you know, so when I see that combo, and then I obviously in an area I want to hunt, you know, I'm hanging a red hat there or orange hat in that tree, and all right, you know, as I'm laying it out, this is where I want to, you know, this is where I want to hunt. Does it work? You know, or this area, do I got to, because I don't have, you know, if you remember, I haven't owned this property, but a couple of years, my grandfather, it was just a gun hunting property. So we're just still setting stands. So explain to me the orange hat thing, just so you can, um, from the yeah, just so, on the just, well, yeah. No, just so I can mark it, you know, so like, Hey, this is a, this is a spot I want to hunt. It's got the tree I want. It's got the fur or the, the green backdrop, you know, all right, what wind direction is going to work here? Where's my crossings? You know, I'll kind of fix. You know, obviously I'm in an area because I know deer are moving through there, but I'm, I'm, you know, as I'm laying this out, I'm trying to figure out where my future stands are going to be so I can protect that area from, from logging. And, you know, it might be, Hey, I'm looking for a stand in this two acre chunk. You know, obviously I'd want to be right here, you know, on this runway or whatever, where the runway wise, but there may not be trees once they log, they're going to provide me protection. So, all right, can I get down the road a little ways? Hey, this spot will work. And so I'll hang that orange hat up on there and then just kind of walk around, walk those trails, just try to figure out, okay, you know, down the road, I could connect, I could leave a row of trees here to get them to funnel through here and, you know, come right by the spot or could I make this into a spot by what I don't log? Um, and maybe I'm going too far in the game weeds, but I don't, I you know, don't think so. I'm tracking. You know, it's like all the runways that they have now are not going to be the runways after they log. Right. So can I create my own runways where I want them to be? I don't know. We're going to find out because I did not do that in the front part of my property. You know, basically I had a couple lone trees and the balsam that they left. And luckily I had one stand in a group. There's probably 10 balsams in there. Um, so I'm okay. But yeah, it's just a lot to freak out about and, and, and <laughs> stay up late and you know it, it, it's a sickness <laughs> is what it yeah. is and well, you're you're so i don't know which way i want to go with that your stand locations then are you doing ladder stands are you doing hang-ons did we talk about this before um, we did. i've got we've got ladders i've got hang-ons um i i have I have sticks at most of mine and I hunt out of a saddle just yep, we did. So, I, so I didn't have to buy 20 tree stands. Yeah. So. For anybody who's, who's hanging stands still, which I have a couple to put up still, um, you know, that, that big backdrop you're talking about with that counterfeit, mm -hmm. that's, that's a good solid tip right there. It is. That's a Randy Vanderveen tip. I can't take that. I like Better. it. I like it. Yeah. Now you're, why are, why are your loggers um, not done yet? I guess I didn't know you were doing this in multiple stages or, multiple years we talked a little bit about how you're going to reset this age here mm -hmm. this age here this age here but um mm -hmm. how much did they get done this year we didn't cut it all this year okay so i will only allow them to cut in the winter so um i want the my thought was at the time the aspen regeneration just because that's dynamite food source um what i'm finding is the maple is probably the the, the red maple is probably the better of the food sources there, because if you cut it in the winter, you're going to have significant stump sprouts. Or with the aspen and poplar, you're going to have the root sprouts. Um, I won't let them in there in the summer. And my my reason is I can't afford to replant that whole property. So if I take advantage of that, um, I'm not overly excited about having a forest of aspen or poplar by any means. But I can also down the road um, reset that if needed. Mm -hmm. You know that would be very easy to do. So. I met your buddy, Matt Musselman, this weekend. Oh, did you? Um, Good. Yeah, really cool guy. Um, so he's got a forestry vulture. So, you know, like, hey, 
my thought is on some of those aspen stands, um, nuke them, let them grow back, let the deer eat the crap out of them. I may down the road say, hey, you know, I want to turn this into more of a upland hardwood area. I'm going to have Matt come in and forestry mulch it, and I'm going to replant these two acres into oak stand or whatever. You know, I'm I'm just trying to really strategically plan this out, and it's I'm struggling with it. I mean, frankly, I need somebody smarter than me just to tell me what to do, but I'm trying to learn it as I go and sure. not make any mistakes. Sure, and the cost of and time of planting hundreds of trees, especially hardwoods, yeah. that are gonna you know, you're gonna touch them for your lifetime. Nope. So nope. it's it's like <clears throat> it's I think it's okay to overthink this one, you know. It is think it about is. it as much as you're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's funny because last winter it didn't really get get for the ground didn't get frozen until gosh, probably mid-January. And it was it was touch and go at the end of January and then it thawed early February and we just called it off. I mean, the first year that they logged, there was four foot ruts for a mile. They got back in there, they got everything cut. Um, we had a February week of rain and they had the whole deck of timber standing there and there was nothing they could do and um, just totally destroyed my roads. I couldn't get in until, J until July. Luckily, I still had an easement through the neighbor's property and she was cool about me. I hadn't spoken with her in quite some time and she was cool about me using that easement again. And I was able to get around all that, but um, yeah, I just, you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm like a mile off the road. I mean, if they don't do it right, my next year is screwed. So I've got that issue. I've got the, I've got the regeneration issue. I mean, there's just a, there's a lot going on in my head and Again, I'm not an expert, so I'm learning this along the way, and it's 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 a lot. It's time-consuming in my mind. How did that conversation with the neighbor and the easement go down? I mean, an easement, there, I know there are many different kinds, right? Tell me about mm -hmm. yours, deeded, titled, the whole thing. Like, tell me about the type of easement it is and um, how that went down, because uh, I'm kind of dealing with some of that myself. We can take it offline, but um, yeah, so I, some questions on it. I don't know what type I, don't, I don't know what the easement is. So uh what type it is. So my understanding is an easement can be vacated if you don't use it for a set amount of time. So when I bought the property, the the easement was not filed. And then the gentleman, the attorney that was doing the transfer, um said, Hey, I found an old easement. And I knew exactly what an easement it was because it was the originally my grandpa bought just a land. I knew knew the easement and basically I said to him, I said, I don't need that easement. It's uh, I, my grandpa bought out to the road. We now have a road coming and there's no, uh, there's no need to file the easement. They're going to hold up the sale. And he says, listen, he says, listen, kid, um, <laughs> we're filing this easement. You never know. Thank the Lord. I listened to him because uh, that was, that was, you know, he filed that. So in my understanding, it was 10 years an easement can be vacated. I don't know that to be the case or not. Well, I just Googled it, brother, and um, it's called adverse possession. A landowner can lose or gain land by a legal concept known as adverse possession. Land may be acquired by someone other than the record owner if certain conditions exist for a period of 10 years. Okay. Property owners and fence lines type. Yeah. So anyways, you, you, you nailed the high level details right there. So we lost 10 acres from that law back in the 70s, by the way. 10 acres. Dang. And I got it back, but that's a story for another time. Well, that guy never filed the deed correctly. Oh. So um, another story for another time. But basically, you know, the 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 neighbor was the original landowner of our property. Her husband had since passed away. I haven't saw her since I was in my 20s. Um, and so called her, went over and visited. Um, we hadn't been down that lane in I think the last time we were down that lane was probably 20 years ago. So based on that 10 year rule, I knew I was in my mind, I was in my rights to just force it, but she's an elderly lady had lost her husband. Their family was always wonderful to us. I certainly was not going to force it. I, right. if I push come to shove, I would have walked a mile back to the cabin all summer and just sucked it up. Cause she's that was that good of a lady. Um, she was totally cool with it. It's kind of funny. Cause the day I stopped over, she's got to be close to 90. 85 90 and she's on a tractor brush hog in the lanes nice. and she says yeah awesome 
And so she says, I haven't been down your lane in a long time. It's going to be a disaster getting down there. And so I spent better part of a day hand cutting it. Um, and that's what we, that's how we got in and out for a year. Cool. Um, it was a mess. <laughs> it was yeah. a mess. Yeah. But now, but now I will every year run my brush hog down that lane, you know, and keep that open because that's a legally filed easement now. And that's kind of where some of my question was, you know, like, but you, yeah, you, you painted the picture for me to understand why you did, you know, you asked. Yeah. yeah. Of course, oh, for sure. I would ask first, obviously, but like, yeah, I didn't know if, and then I didn't know the adverse possession thing either. So that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Pretty interesting. Well, let's do this, man. I've already used up an hour of your time. Any cameras up yet with any prospects? I haven't seen any trail cam pictures from you yet. It's a light. It's been a real light year on on cameras now. In terms of putting them up, or in terms of deer showing up? I leave mine up year round. Okay, never take them down. Um, So yeah, deer showing up. I've got one good buck um, from last fall. I saw him January first was last I saw him. He showed back up. He's got a pretty unique rack. Very very large for up there. Other than that, I don't have really squat on camera. But historically, when I see a lot on camera, I don't see them during hunting season. In the years I've not seen things on camera have been my best years. Rock and roll. So, All right. I'm, I you know I'm to a point anymore where I I use the cameras more for security than anything. I've got thirty some cameras up there, and um, I'm more worried about controlling that than I am anything. Yep. Yep. So. Well, cool, man. Anything we didn't touch on tonight that you want to hit? I went through, I have everything on my list checked off. Yeah, I'm looking for your buddies at Exodus to come out with a camera that bears cannot disassemble. Oh, um, I'll, I'll be talking to Jake tomorrow night. So Yeah, uh, so uh, he's got to come up with something like concrete or, you know what I mean? Like, you got to be able to make a camera out of concrete because <laughs> it's about the only thing they are destroying my cameras. They're walking up and swiping them and chewing the antennas off and they're hitting them until they break them off the tree <laughs> oh man do you use any of those boxes i don't know if they people still make those bear boxes i assume or security boxes yeah i mean the problem is though you still got the antenna yeah yeah they're gonna you know so um yeah i don't know that that's a new that's a new issue i have so that's uh that's gonna be interesting well i had one on the far corner of the northern 70 and a bear was on that camera and now the camera's facing the ground um mm-hmm. so that's interesting and then i did find some scat down at the bottom of the hill um so yeah and then my my neighbor sends me a picture there's one out digging in his trash can he's as a crow flies he's probably 300 yards you know yeah. maybe so i'm starting to get a little taste of what y'all mean with these with these bears yeah. and yeah. the stuff that they destroy and, and bring along they're cool to have them around but maybe not cool to have yeah. them around yeah okay. i have a new new favorite habitat tool Oh, that's a good question. You know, I haven't asked anybody that question lately. You just reminded me something. Let's hear it. I bought a pole hedge trimmer for home. And knowing I was having some sprayer issues, and I told you I spray my walk paths. Yeah. I threw threw my buddy on the quad, and I drove, and he sat there with that hedge clipper head at a 90. And we just drove down my walk paths, and he trimmed all the tag alder and all the pine trees that were encroaching. And Wow. Dude, we trimmed miles of including going under that easement we trimmed miles of stuff just sitting there on the machine it was one talking the one with the blades that kind of scissor as they yeah. move and it yeah. has battery powered battery powered yep. who makes that one i just you know um lowe's was running a special on craftsman and it cool. was like a 200 dollars bundle it was a blower a weed whacker and a hedge trimmer and it was just like yeah i'll take that so wow. and i you know it's not i don't care if, if it lasts two years i got my money's worth out of it you know but uh that thing saved me a lot of time. I would have never thought of using one of those. Well, funny thing is, I just saw on on Facebook or something. Yeah, I think my buddy Wayne shared it. He had one of those um, taped or strapped to his bucket on his tractor. So you stick it straight <laughs> up in the air. You extend the bucket all the way up, and then he'd be doing yeah. this with yeah. the, the toggle on the bucket, and that thing's just running, cutting like like a helicopter would cut a power line. Yeah, deal with that saw, similar yeah. to that. And he's I think he was doing a driveway or something. Um, yeah. So either way, I need one of those because I don't have yeah. one. I had to borrow my neighbors this year. And yeah, that's a good tool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tip. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty excited about that one. Well, good, man. Hey, I appreciate you hopping on and uh, always good to catch up. I'm going to pop into your yeah. cabin one of these days. So be ready. Keep, keep saying that. Yep. One of these days it may happen. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. 
Thank you very much for listening to the Habitat Podcast. Guys, we will be back with another great episode next week. I just want to say once again how grateful we are for the listenership we have and the, the loyal listeners you guys have been and supporters of the podcast. For those of you who want to support further, we have free decals being sent out to those who leave us great reviews. Scroll down, hit the link to leave a great review, and then email me info at habitatpodcast.com. I'll get you a free five-inch decal in the mail right away. Guys, I want to thank our sponsors. Vitalized Seed Company at vitalizedseed.com. Exodus Outdoor Gear. Packer Max Cultipackers. Morse Nursery. Acres.com. Downburst Cedars. First Light. United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.